from the creators of Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, January 23rd, 2015, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Stamps.com. Trips to the post office are it's just so convenient. No? No. Trips they're never the, convenient. No, the trips, they're worse. They're the worst. So why not get your postage right from your desk with Stamps.com? Uh, Stamps.com even gives you special postage discounts you can't get at the post office, including First Class, Priority, Express, International, the whole shebang. There is literally nowhere Stamps.com cannot get from a package from your house. You'll, you'll ne- and you'll never pay full price for postage again. Here's how Stamps.com works. You use your own computer and printer. You buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package. Just hand it to your mail carrier and off it goes. It's that easy. Uh, it's no wonder that over half a million small businesses are already using Stamps.com. Right now, use promo code RELEVANT to get a special no-risk trial plus a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and up to $55 of free postage. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in RELEVANT. That's Stamps.com slash relevant you and you use it yes uh we do here at the office yeah. yes i saw a note yeah uh, there's a card for me in the outbox here and there's a stamps.com uh, thing on the top right you, wait so we we paid for postage and then left it for you here in the building no i mean it's gonna be mailed to me it kind of feels like maybe it could have ended up right here but it's gonna be mailed to me oh, with stamps.com oh. I just saw it. how nice <laughs> what's well, really nice so the stamps.com. surprise there you go um like I said, I'm, I'm Cameron. Here in our, our our brand new podcast studio in Orlando is uh, Eddie Big Cat Coffles. Nice to see you, Cameron. Uh, over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. Before we get to the people on Skype, let me just say this is a special episode. It is a our debut yeah. video episode. And oh. so to celebrate the moment, yes, we, we have some stuff lined up. I'm just going to leave it at that. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And on the Skype line from Sydney, Australia, Christine Kane, <laughs> Adam Smith. Oh. Hey, hey. For the hundreds of thousands of you who are newer listeners, uh, Adam was our managing editor and editorial director years ago. Yes. And in that initial heyday of the podcast, 07, 08, uh, Jesse and Adam and Kara Davis and I were in studio together. Um, and, and we are excited to have him back for today's episode. I've often been described as oh I you were like take Adam's spot he was actually really funny oh that's how I've been uh, Eddie essentially for the un- uninitiated who you know haven't met me before mm-hmm. Eddie is say the Timothy Dalton to my Sean Connery <laughs> <laughs> I think that's critically panned and disappointing to audiences. <laughs> I'd say that's exactly uh, exactly who I am to you. I call a small um, cult following, but largely people just miss Sean Connor. <laughs> a lot of people would say would say criminally underrated, but will never have the you know uh, association with the role that Connor did. <laughs> 
Also, like that metaphor, the raw masculinity. No, yeah, no, I'll never have that. Uh, Now let me ask you, why are you in Australia? Well, I mean, it's where my house is. So so you had a house there (laughs) and then flew over? There was a deportation legal issue (laughs) that uh, I still don't think we can talk about publicly, right, Adam? Officially, it's sealed by the Department of Homeland Security. Those records are sealed. Generally, you're just kind of there, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I I don't like to use the words persona non grata. I understand. I'm talking about my relationship with the United States, but evidently the the government does. Yeah, there there was an an incident, as they say in international circles, but that's literally all we can say under uh, a threat of deportation ourselves. Well, look, I I can say that, you know, I can't give details, right? But I can say that it involved the United States Constitution, the, yeah. the actual document, right? And Chuck E. Cheese robots, <laughs> you know, the, the singing robots. Well aware. So you just kind of have to. Draw in particular, the cheerleader one. You, oh, you don't yeah. want to know. Terrifying. Yeah. The cheerleader but mouse. It's a long story. Let's just say they don't treat treason lightly. Yeah. Well, yeah. That clears and, it up. And little known fact: if the United States Constitution, if the document is destroyed. Ownership of the United States actually reverts back to England. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's just so important that you stay where you're at right apologies. now. Apologies. If you go tonight, you find red coats quartered in your home. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> All right. So, you know, like I said, we have with, with the special guests, we have. We have a thing planned. We want to show everybody in a few minutes the studio and all of it's really the stories because Adam was a part of a ton of these stories. Yeah. And so uh, we wanted to kind of have him here to reveal a lot of the podcast history that's now on our wall. But after that, stay tuned. The podcast guest this week is a huge celebrity, Michael K. Williams. Uh, yeah. You'll know him as Omar from The Wire. You know him as yeah. Chalky White from Boardwalk Empire. He's in several new movies. And he's on the cover of the current issue of Relevant. Uh, part of that interview and that conversation we had with him, we'll have here later on the show he's today. He's a really nice guy. I wanted him to be a nice dude. Yeah. He seems great. Yeah. And you, you, you didn't well want dressed. him to be like Omar. Right. Because I needed him to be inversely proportional to the amount of terror that he can yeah. inflict on screen. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's great. So Michael K. Williams is coming up later, and we have a couple other surprises. But um, Jesse, before we get rolling into the actual show, I needed to let you know something that happened okay. at an Orlando Magic game this week. It, okay. it affects you. Uh, I mean, not affects you, but you have a connection to it. I, I, I assume loss and shame. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, so last week, the, the Orlando Magic were playing the Houston Rockets. So Dwight Howard was coming back. And and so it was a big deal for me in particular. Yeah, you guys right? have a storied history, don't you? Yeah, he threw a shoe at me. We don't like each other. It's all good. Well, um, so you did put him on the cover of the magazine, though. That, before we knew what kind of person he was. So <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> so Jesse and I last summer actually met uh, an NBA player, uh, Luke Ridenour, yeah, the uh, uh, point guard, who then mm-hmm. after that signed with the Magic. So, and can I say this too? We hit it off, I think. Yeah. You and Luke. I'm talking about him and I. You and him have remained friends. I'm still waiting for a follow up, but I felt pretty good about our initial meeting. I so, felt like I wasn't even there, and I heard a retelling of the meeting, and it sounded like sparks flew. Things got <laughs> very real. So, 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 yeah, I mean, Luke and his wife, they have a five year old son who Cohen plays with, and Ronnie. And so, you know, I haven't talked about Luke, and Luke and I are pretty, pretty careful. I don't talk basketball with him because to me, Basketball players are people you yell at from the fourth row 
you don't actually they're not human beings. You don't, you don't go to their homes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they don't have feelings like you or me. Exactly. Right. So uh, Jesse and I, when we met him last summer, I said to him, you know, I mean, Jesse and I are just peppering him with every question we've ever had for an NBA player, right? And I say to him, hey, here's a question. So, you know, during a game, right? The Let's say a fan in a fourth row range behind the bench would be yelling things. <laughs> right. Do you like how how much do you hear? Yeah. And he goes, "Dude, it's all white noise. We don't hear anything. Why it's is all, it can't like, just be noise?" And I'm going, <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, well, that's actually kind of good. You know, I'm kind of like that's... because you've said some things that maybe in hindsight you weren't proud of, but they were said in the heat of the game because you are a part. You're a part of that team a lot of times. That's what I feel. But right. he kind of deflated that and said, eh, you know, dude, it's all just crowd noise. We don't yeah. we block it out.' And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense." So anyway, I'm at the Magic game. Was that good for you? Did you you? No, won? it was it was kind of sad because I've spent a decade or more of my life like really finely tuning my. What I yelled during yeah. games at the my right moment. My name is Cameron Strang. Here is my phone number. Here yeah. is my home address. So it, we were at the Rockets game, and they're wearing their retro yellow and red uniforms. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. Well, Magic actually ended up winning that game. Mm-hmm. That was just a nice little bonus surprise thing that happened. I love it how winning is just yeah. the bonus thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not the preferred outcome. It's like, oh, by the way, they won. But. Yeah, so, so you know, I'm going, man, they're wearing, like, they look like McDonald's uniforms. So I'm yelling at Dwight the entire game, just, you know, about how he works for McDonald's now. I'm by loving the, it. Yeah, by the fourth quarter, I'm kind of running out of witty things to say, and I just start yelling McDonald's phrases, like, supersize me, I want fries with that i'm loving it ronald mchoward or, but every time yeah. dwight would go to the free throw line or they would go to the free throw line i would yell ba-da-ba-ba-ba good one right and i got the whole my whole section doing it that's the right that's the yeah. win right so you there you go we're loving it people are laughing we're yeah. having a good time it's a pastoral so i'm thinking kind of i'm kind of, you know how jesse pre-laughs when he gets a little funny thought and i do. Kind of laughs? I, do. I find that i do that to myself at magic games when i'm about to yell something really witty <laughs> yeah right i pre-laugh to myself yeah. i i think i am the smartest funniest heckler in the history of the game as you should okay my buddy was sitting next to me and decides to film me with his phone oh that's well and when we get and i didn't know it was happening and so when we got home he posted on my facebook page and he said you're welcome (laughs) and i for the first time in 29 years of going to games saw what i look like at a game we're having a real breakthrough now (laughs) aren't we in action and i'm not funny I'm annoying. I'm annoying. I I would no, hate sitting near me. It's interesting when you were telling this story about you know the, the crowds getting into it and every you're rallying all your section around you. I I immediately wondered. I wonder if the way that looked in Cameron's head, head exactly. From this the is way what played out in reality. This is the I had the most mind melding moment. A reality I saw. Reality not played through my own it, experience. In your mind, it, this did is it shatter those ten years. Oh of my goodness, games? dude! Yeah. I'm like, I'm just annoying. I'm just annoying. I'm not funny. Yeah. I'm not funny. This isn't. This isn't good heckling. This is just a guy yelling McDonald's phrases. Right. I mean, in your mind, this was a Dean Martin roast. Like we're goofing, <laughs> but we're laughing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In reality, this was just. Uh, this was just. Daddy sometimes gets angry. Right? So so then <laughs> making it worse. The next day on uh, on Instagram, a mutual friend of ours said, "Hey, I, you know, I saw Car- Cameron's uh, Instagram from the game. You know, it sounds like he had something to do with that great win last night. You know, sixth man. You know, da da da." She goes, "Oh no, I absolutely know that Cameron uh, affected the game because Luke comes home after games and tells me all the stuff he yells." What? <laughs> and so Luke is hearing me. 
and telling Kate, you won't believe what he was saying. He was yelling this and this and this. And he, so this whole thing of white noise, which was my safety net, that is, is not true. F- and the players are totally hearing everything. And, and at the same time, I'm not witty or funny. One, that's your player name, is white noise. <laughs> Two, you gotta get a jersey with white noise on the back, a magic jersey, and you're that guy. Right? Oh my God. Gary, you know the most upsetting part about this to me is? Is that now you've lost your anonymity among the players and other fans that sit close? Because last, because you and I were having a conversation one day about how you could use this friendship with Luke, and another way for your advantage is to finally do our plan where it's like that that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer gets a job at a company, but he's never really offered the job. He just starts working there. Yeah. For you to do that for the coaching staff. Yeah. yeah. Side so the up. idea would you just be that you buy tickets? in very close proximity to the end of the bench, start wearing a suit and carrying a clipboard and, and just just game by game, you're taking one or two steps f- further out onto the court during timeouts. Yeah. You start with co- you start with just talking to Luke as a friend. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're giving coaching advice to the players. You're basically an unpaid coach at that Absolutely. point. Absolutely. This is the master plan, except now, I, you're right, I've been voice recognized. So if yeah. I give the, co- the players tips, they'll be like, oh, you're oh, that guy. Thanks, and, white noise. And the, t- and the tips, and the extent of the tips was... Hey, you have two fouls. Just to let you know, Chief. And a, and a quick pat on the behind. <laughs> but here's the problem is most of my yelling at the Magic Bench is, uh, let's say, construct, usually constructive, but criticism of Jacques Vaughn's decision-making in-game. I think you might be back to the Dean Martin roast issue here. Are you sure it's constructive? No, 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 no. It's, I, was, I, I put an asterisk on the word. I, it's not constructive at all. He's not that good of a coach. Oh. I, I, He makes boneheaded decisions throughout the game. They make no sense, and I point them out to him mm. all game long. Now, Cameron, if it makes you feel better, you know that, that terrible sinking feeling you had when the veil of your own kind of self-image was ripped away. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you could see the naked reality of how you appear to others. If it makes you feel better, that is the the range of emotions I feel every time I see my own hairline. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like you're pe- like Adam in your head. You're picturing like Mel Gibson, like Lethal Weapon era Mel Gibson. No, Braveheart, Braveheart era, a big feathered mullet. Yeah, and then I see it in real life, and it's it's like the you know the scene in Last Crusade where the guy ages like a hundred years in five seconds. That's how it yeah. feels yeah, every yeah. time. Or the Lion King when he walks across the bridge. Like Time lapse photography of my impending death. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, I want to give one more observation. You've referenced Sean Connery now twice. You got a you got a Is lot in the quota? you got a lot in the chamber for the show, don't you? You've just been waiting. Like I guess no, it's he's aging so rapidly. He's really into Sean Connery right now. He's really? just watching a- <laughs> right in your wellhouse. Is a peer. Yeah, is <laughs> a peer. Okay, anyway, so I just had to get that. Jesse, I just wanted you to know, I'm sorry, I have probably ruined your future friendship with Luke Ridnour. I'll be honest, I, I wasn't going to tell you this. He texts me a lot about the things that you yell during the games, and he's very upset about that. We yeah. kind of have our own little side friendship just about that. They started a Tumblr for it. <laughs> Annoying white noise. That's the dot .tumblr.com. Annoying white noise. All right, all right. That's enough basketball talk. That's not the point of the show. People are ready for us to move on. I get that. I disagree. I think it's. I think it is. <laughs> it's the point, the point of the show. Yeah. You got your show. Yeah. I got mine. Emotionally, they've already moved on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're already a little dead inside. Well, this is this being the first week of the the new kind of video studio and everything being up and running, uh, and Adam being here, we mm-hmm. thought this would be a good chance to take people on a little tour of the studio as it's kind of filling out. We're putting stuff on the shelves. Yeah. And uh, so so this would be a great opportunity to 
to put on the YouTube channel mm, wow. and uh, show people a little a little taste of our flavor here on the relevant podcast. Flavor, I think, would be make it a little more cool to say. Anyway. I don't know. You're okay, cool. so Adam's here. Adam, <laughs> if you remember any of these things, you know, feel free to chime in sure. here. Well, the, the funny thing is I, I saw some photos online that mm-hmm. you posted, and I, I got like one of the references. <laughs> yeah. And I, was, and I was present for all of them. <laughs> now also just so you know as you are talking and doing your job i'm just gonna yell at you that's great just to see how that works with you just yell oh at yelling white noise da, 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 da. Yep. Yeah. terrible <laughs> job yell burger king slogan so okay so well i think what i will do the best way to kind of do this quickly is to go kind of right to left behind eddie the, the, uh, this is an introduction to our historical tchotchkes the first thing there is uh, the board game your best life now by mm. Joel Osteen. Oh, praise him. This would be a low point in my recollection of the podcast era. We uh, literally... Maybe in, the, maybe in the history of the company. I, I, or I, 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 podcasting. I, maybe. I, I hear about this and I still can't believe it happened. We, this, is, this is hubris at its worst. <laughs> people listen to literally anything we do. I bet that we play a board game for an hour and these idiots will listen to us. <laughs> so we did. We we did a show and then oh we said, gosh. okay, turn your hit stop now because we are opening up Joel Osteen's board game and we're going to play it start to finish. There was a moment, I remember that you had to hold up a little mirror. You picked, yes. you laid on a certain spot. You had to hold up a mirror and say something affirming to yourself. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. The other, the other thing is, I don't think you realize until you actually play a board game with the intention of recording audio, how little little dialogue actually happens during the course of a game. Right, because there's strategy to it. You know, you're thinking about how to win. There's a lot of time to... B5. Yeah. Uh, No, a miss? All right, your turn. One of you gets your best life. The rest of you doesn't. Yeah, the rest of us were subjected to the other board game. We haven't played this on the podcast, but we have the Vatican. Vatican, the board game right there, the Pope's board game. Um, uh, If you move to the left, we've got there uh, this terrible-looking face thing. It's uh, The name of it is the Florida Swamp Monster. It is a deer's rear end turned upside down and a face put into it. The goatee is the tail of the deer. That is messed up. It's horrible. You guys still have that. <laughs> it is terrifying. It has, I don't nothing, like it. it has nothing to do with the podcast. It's just uh, on the Can show. Can I just say that one of my first impressions, when I first came to intern at Relevant, uh, this was about, I don't know, like 10 years ago. I was a, a college student, and I came to tour the office. That was the one thing that left an impression on me, was that hideous <laughs> uh, uh, swamp, Florida swamp. And I remember in my head thinking, this would be a cool place to work. <laughs> See, I, I had the uh, I had kind of the opposite reaction because that is one of the first things that made an impression on me, and I just found it very upsetting. <laughs> we uh, the the eyes are so piercing and demonic that we actually uh, for most of its uh, lifespan we have had a cowboy hat on it yeah. to cover the eyes, but the cowboy hat doesn't fit on the shelf, so we have exposed it's the. Up. It is. We might we might have to turn it around. Yeah, Eve. When Eve and Lucy came in, and they were like, "Who is that man?" And I was like, "I don't." <laughs> it's our first president. I don't know. Lucy. What is that? Hell beast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, above it, uh, we've got we've got a bullfrog uh, with a with an injured leg. 
uh, clearly referencing uh, Jesse's iconic uh, slice that he brought about Ice T and his wife Coco getting pulled over in the middle of the night because they were they were racing to the veterinarians to because their bullfrog had to have emergency knee surgery and then the next week we realized he was reading the entire news clipping wrong it was the bulldog uh, but <laughs> Jesse read 30 instances of the word bulldog and said bullfrog once again it's a mistake that literally anyone can make and I think it's a missed opportunity that we don't have a can of Arizona iced tea sitting next to the bullfrog oh iced tea nice oh we're gonna have to do that Smart. iced tea's bullfrog or Classy. we could get a little tiny one and it'll be the bullfrog's iced tea because mm. <laughs> uh, that's how you read it you're dyslexic um, <laughs> next to it I'm gonna give it to Eddie yeah this is uh, the Samantha shoe I actually uh, for those of you that did not hear this story the quick of it is when we moved into our new house uh, it was clearly haunted there were a lot of reasons for that there was a murder um, in the driveway murder in the driveway someone had been yeah. killed in the driveway yeah. in 98 uh, or 88 <laughs> anyhow so uh, I crawl up into the attic for the first time and look to my left and sitting there is a perfect clean white child's patent leather shoe but just uh, one <laughs> just just one shoe and I knew like I knew I would feel cold spirits going through me as I slept at that moment anyhow I told the story on the show fake Twitter account all of that good stuff this is I didn't touch it and then I knew like it was video week one and I climbed up to the attic and I just like <laughs> pinky pinched it was like oh my god oh my god oh my god it's Samantha's shoe I took let it me down. Ask, let me ask you guys this since uh, since Eddie has brought clearly a haunted item that yeah. is possessed by some sort of spirits have you guys had weird things happen in the podcast studio yeah nothing works yeah it's, it's right it's right next to the Florida Swamp Monster demon eyes and so this is our little yeah. occultic session right right next to you right so it's so, so weird so weird Chad can't get the video to work this explains everything yeah we haven't heard from Sean or Joy we don't know where they are can yeah. I ask was there really like honest to goodness a murder in the driveway of your house oh yeah 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 if you google my address you it take when i was googling our address before we bought the house i googled it to find it on google maps and it brought up the county that we live in unsolved murders and the full outline of the murder now the good thing is the guy wasn't killed in the house since it was on the driveway so you just yeah. wa- you just wash all that off that's no big deal hose it down if you've been killed in i the didn't ha- realize it was unsolved Oh, yeah, they don't know who killed this guy. A haunted driveway isn't quite as intimidating as a haunted <laughs> Well, because we were like, <laughs> right. It seems so haphazard and lazy to murder someone in a driveway. You know, that's an indoor activity. Really. It does. It does cause some problems, though, every time our kids do little chalk drawings and we come back out and then it's all just like angry devils. You know, the chalk is all more. But yeah, they had, they had, I could have sworn you drew hopscotch there, not a pentagram. <laughs> right. So here's mommy and daddy and Cthulhu. <laughs> so generally it's just inconvenient. But it's not that bad. Yeah. So, all right. So next to that, underneath it, we have wow, that oil stain. Sure does look like it spells the words. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> uh, under that, uh, Nick uh, Nick Fruling and Spencer Fruling sent us the artwork. America, uh, Canada's jorts. Mm. Uh, they illustrated it. Uh, they pixelated a certain aspect of the jort uh, region and put Relevant Media Group Orlando, Florida, on there. This image. This is the actual original piece that they gave us when they visited Florida from Canada, obviously. Um, This image has made it on the front page of Reddit 
multiple times uh, a year. I see it all the time yeah. in random places. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really so there you go. Uh, it, that's the real deal. Over there, our gold record, our, the only gold record we'd ever received, uh, it was from Reliant K, and they misspelled relevant. So that's <laughs> that's why <laughs> we <laughs> kept it. <laughs> the We had such hubris, uh, they thought we should be humbled. Um, we have a few mugs up at the top. We got the Order of the Bow mug. I have my, um, uh, when I was in Palestine, deep in Palestine, they came across a uh, coffee shop called Stars and Stars Bucks. Stars and Bucks, yeah. And I uh, got, a, got a mug there. Uh, got a, I don't know, the, my Cameron Lego mug and others. Uh, if you go down to the uh, Jesus figurines, these are for children mm. and they're inappropriate. Um, Praise him. Jesus is a little too close to the little boy. And the other one is, uh, uh, this kid's just pl- shoulder tackling our Lord and Savior. It's just, you know... That's good, not okay. Good entertainment. Um, so let's see. Underneath- he's, he's chop blocking Jesus. Yeah. Is what's happening? Yeah. So. Like I mean, where where's the O line? <laughs> That's yeah. Oh there you go. Um, uh, under that, we got. <laughs> Did Cal- no one pick up that kid? Did no one pick up that blocker? <laughs> um, uh, we got Calvin's slide whistle right there. Um, I have a alligator head. I I don't have the alligator back scratcher. I don't know where it went. I need to find it. But. Um, um, yeah, so Calvin slide whistle. Over here, we've got uh, our very own, the actual table topics uh, cards. Uh, we have a Canadian flag, which was sent in by one of our Canadian listeners. Uh, underneath it, uh, Chad donated nice uh, Toby Mac's uh, book to represent our former feud with the, Toby Mac. Yeah, and the only reason that I donated it was because I've pretty much read every page in that book. Yeah. Just so you guys <laughs> know. At any staff gathering, you know, uh, cupcakes for a birthday, anything, somebody coming or going, uh, Chad reads a passage completely out of context from the Toby Mac book. That's sweet. So, yeah. just a little nugget of inspiration. Man. Toby Mac. DC Talk, so awesome. Mac is back, all right. The top hat right there, obviously, is the official Oscars.biz Awards top hat. Coming Mm -hmm. up on that, we're going to have to dust those off. We got the white gloves, we got the bow ties, and uh, the Oscars.biz top (laughs) hat. The the most formal uh, day of the year. Uh, On the bottom shelf (laughs) down there, we got uh, not only the, uh, the banana slicer, uh, we've got the hot dog slicer oh, yeah. a listener sent in. Um, and it's signed because those listeners came by our studio uh, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Did they really? That's and, and so they signed the back of it for us. That's awesome. That's yeah. cool. And, Is that Adam and Eve fornicating? And, and we have Adam and Eve of creating humanity. Beautiful. Right there. Sweet. Yeah. Praise um, him. Bless. So up we have a Orlando Magic or Orlando All-Star Game money ball from the three-point competition um, signed by former podcast guest and former Orlando Magic player Ryan Anderson yes. when he was in the studio. Um, I would say Ryan was, was in the three point competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the, the we hosted the All Star Game the, the, that year. Dwight was leaving, yep. and we just you know ugh, it was just over it. Ryan was our was our our hope. All of the fans' hopes and dreams were clinging to Ryan doing well in the three point competition. And yeah, and he missed the money ball that would have made him go to the final round. Uh, I told him I have I tracked down the actual money ball that you failed with, and he signed it and said. Sorry, I missed this one, Ryan Anderson. So he wrote that on the ball, and uh, we have that there on the shelf. It was very uh, kind of him. It was actually the coolest moment of my life as I walked into an Orlando Magic game, and he saw me and did like the what's up head thing. Yeah. I would say that was the coolest I've ever felt. Yeah. yeah. He didn't say hi. Adam, let, let me ask, while they're going through these, is there anything that, that, that you were hoping would be there? 
anything oh. I was hoping. Well, would be hold there. on. We have a couple Adam <laughs> era ones that we're about to get to, and okay. then we'll figure out what did we miss and should complete the wall with. Just settle down, Jesse. Uh, <laughs> we got a couple of uh, knights armor glove things from our medieval times. Oh, right. Adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And up there at the top, we have a chimpanzee uh, just reminding us of the looming. It's kind of looking down at us, the looming impending chimpocalypse that's coming. Right. We all know it's happening. We have right here a big one Indian head. Uh, that's actually something that I've had with me since college. But on the top of his feather is Jungle Bird's actual hat. Yes. Um, did you, where did you order that hat? Because I went online before too, and they they've been sold out. <laughs> we uh, I just googled Jungle Bird's hat. No, what's it called? The Yankee. It, it, the, it, it's a um, Union Union Jack? Jack. Union Jack. I googled Union Jack hat, found it. It was like an Etsy store that I found it on. So I ordered I ordered it. Wow. Um, let's see. Down underneath it, we got the uh, cat catalog that some listeners sent us. That smells like pee. Oh, terrible. It smells yeah. terrible. Yeah. And uh, what is with that? The candy bars. Well, the the we have a retail box of toggy bars. <laughs> Jesse Jesse's toggy bar story. Yeah, uh, th- this is a, a, a an old classic, and I don't even know. I've told I've retold some stories before. I don't even know if I could accurately tell this one again. I'd probably have to listen to it again. It involved a, a, an awkward interaction at a movie theater with a gentleman that was selling those for some manner of fundraiser. Uh, maybe a, some astute listener can put in the feedback what episode that uh, appeared on. Uh, but uh, it, it was again. I like moments that that everyone else feels awkward, and I could just sit and relish it. And uh, those toggy bars uh, were, were one of the finest moments I experienced. And wow. it's a delicious snack for any podcast uh, studio tour visitors. Right. You know, we, we right. end it with a toggy bar snack. There you go. Um, See how much they really know about the show up there on the on the far left. We're using it to support a local high school marching band. <laughs> 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 comes and visit buy a toggy bar for a dollar. <laughs> Up there on the far left, we have a huge ship. Oh, uh, classic. Yeah. And, and uh, last but not least, we have a whale shark right there. <laughs> uh, that, that was one of my favorite uh, Adam and Jesse era stories was the whale shark. I love shark. the fact that the, the whale shark model you found, the expression on his face is one of absolute stupidity. <laughs> like, somehow you found... <laughs> I, I know that there's probably not too many models that would make a whale shark look majestic, <laughs> but, but somehow you you found the antithesis of majesty. Well, what we learned years ago from you guys is that uh, the whale shark is not neither whale nor shark, which would be awesome, which would be a whale-sized shark. No. It's kind of like a manatee, uh, and it's girth. It just It's just taken up a lot of space that other... Cooler animals in the ocean. <laughs> um, in addition to the wall, we have uh, some pieces of art. Uh, a couple of pieces uh, watching us, almost human size. They're so large. Right there, we have John Tesh, who was a centerpiece of an episode a couple years ago. John Tesh joining us. And we, of course, have a large frame portrait of Rambo. <laughs> Obviously. Been probably the cornerstone of this show. Yeah. Right. Rambo, more than any other uh, probably figure, has, has shown up. Throughout the years, uh, so of course we had to, you, you know, well, immortalize him with a, a portrait. That's indicative of our lives, isn't it? That Rambo, more than more than any other figure, Rambo has really influenced most of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and, him and Sean Connery. So you know, knowing that Adam would be on, and knowing that Rambo is such a big part of the studio, and knowing that Rambo was such a big part of the Adam and Jesse era, I wondered. I didn't know. I wondered if there was. Uh, 
I don't know, some sort of Rambo update that we could have this week. You kind of know there has to be. I mean, these guys have both like been just... Jesse, what are you thinking? What should we do? You know, is there any sort of Rambo stuff we should ask Adam about? Yeah, I mean, well, first off, I do want to talk about it. He's coming out with the, the, the fifth edition of his franchise. So good. Uh, and keep in mind, when this releases, uh, Sylvester Stallone will, have, will be 70 years old. No way. He'll be, he'll be 70 years old. And uh, for Adam, if, if you could just briefly, for people that may, I don't know how this is, would even be possible, but I'm just going to say that there maybe have people that have just woken up from like a decades-long coma or something. Uh, can you briefly explain what the allure of this figure is? Of Rambo? Of Rambo. Um, you may as well ask, what, what's the allure of freedom? <laughs> you know, like why, why do we why do we inherently yearn for liberty it's a difficult question to, to really answer because it's so intertwined with our, the very fabric of our inalienable human rights <laughs> is age a factor in this film you know there are rumors on the internet that he will be facing off this time with Mexican drug cartels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like a lot for one man, especially one who is now elderly, uh, <laughs> to, to to face off with a, the brutality of. Do you see that being a, a factor at all in the upcoming film? What else seemed like a lot was retroactively winning the Vietnam War, which Rambo has done, <laughs> and single-handedly. Driving the Soviet Union out of Afghanistan, which yeah. Rambo has done. Yeah, that's true. So those seemed those seemed like pretty big asks for someone of any age. It but. feels like he's phoning it in with the Mexican drug cartel. You know, like oh, big deal. He didn't want to travel that far. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, this is if if anything, this is Rambo. Like this is kind of an afterthought for him. <laughs> like wiping out a, a drug cartel is the equivalent of like a yawn. Yeah, he does. Us. He does this on the way to curing malaria. Yeah. Like that's yeah, this is something he he took care of on his way to an appointment. <laughs> right. <laughs> like a lot of people at his age, like go to like a quaint retirement village right. in South Florida. No, no. For him, yeah. the retirement yeah. is just taking care of cartels. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, this would be like he's running late for something. Like you and I would watch, look at our watch, and be like, "Do I have time to stop at Starbucks?" Yeah. For Rambo, it's like, "Oh gosh." Uh, you know what? I think I do. I think I'll swing by and I'll dismantle this Mexican drug cartel. Yeah, he pops into Cialis, he goes to a rock concert, and then he disables the, the Mexican drug cartel. A- Adam, yeah. Adam, I want to ask you too, have you heard any rumors about the plot of this film? The the thing is, this is what kind of um, is unsettling to me. What, what kind of confuses me is that uh, Sylvester Stallone has written several of these sequels. Uh, you know, no doubt he's spent a lot of time and energy doing so when in reality they've been written for him you know <laughs> i've i've already written something like nine rambo sequels right and, and we've the, read most of them or had you read most of them here on the show yeah and they're there for the taking you right. know right it's like it's like i'm trying to i'm trying to hand you this gift right all you have to do is is reach out and take it right now what what i think a lot of people don't know is that in addition to uh, defending our liberties, wiping out drug cartels and the like, that uh, Rambo also uh, serves as an advice columnist. Oh, oh. Uh, there's a, <laughs> wow! There's actually a radio uh, a radio call-in show, oh, I believe, yeah. 
I think we have a segment we're going to play from that, right? We do. Yeah, I, I, I'm a, dev, a devotee of this uh, particular <laughs> column show, and I, I'm not ashamed to say I've actually uh, received some pretty valuable life advice from it in the past. And I should say before we play this clip from the show, it's it's it, it, this is strange, but it's purely a coincidence. Uh, two of the hosts from the show, including uh, Rambo himself, sound a little bit. If you listen, you know, if you if you got a, a bad frequency or something, can kind of sound like me and Adam, but that's just a weird <laughs> no, yeah, though. Well, yeah, look, I think that's you know drawing a long bow to say that they they sound like us, but you know, I, I suppose if you know if you're like you said, if you had a bad frequency or something. <laughs> I would say if it, if, if it does sound in any way like Jesse or I, I would say you probably need to adjust your sound settings. Yeah, it all sounds the same on AM, really. So it's, it's hard to tell. Yeah, so I, right, guess we'll, I guess we'll just cue up a clip from yeah. this, 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 this tape that you brought, Adam. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got the tape. I'll, I'll go ahead and pop it in. You've got questions. Well, he's got answers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Ask Rambo. Rambo, <laughs> thanks for being on today. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to jump right to it. Our first, que- <laughs> Our first question comes from Puppy... <laughs> oh, no. Our first question comes to us from Puppy Problems in Pittsburgh. <laughs> puppy Problems in Pittsburgh writes, Rambo, my wife and I recently adopted a puppy from a local pound. He's really cute and friendly... But now he's starting to eat all my shoes, have accidents all over the house, and he keeps us up all night barking. I think we made a mistake. Does it make us bad people for wanting to return the puppy to the pound? Look, thanks for writing in puppy problems. The important thing to remember when taking an enemy sentry is this silence is the watchword. There are many who would advise a high-powered sniper rifle, and there's much to be said for killing from relative safety a quarter mile away. But I'll never be able to go past a tried-and-true compound bow. There's something visceral, almost beautiful, in dispatching your quarry with a perfectly targeted steel-tipped harbinger of death. But make sure you hit him directly in the trachea, because the last thing you need is his screams alerting others to your presence. Believe me, the look in his eyes as he realizes his fate will ring out louder than any screams ever could. Puppies can be a real pain. All my love, Rambo. We have jumped the whale shark. This is amazing. Thanks for that, Rambo. We're going to jump to the next <laughs> Look, I'm, I, yo, I'm here to help. We've all been there, haven't we? Car Trouble in Kalamazoo writes, A few weeks ago, I let a friend of mine borrow a brand new truck to move some things. He just lost his job and has to move into a smaller place. Anyways, when I returned the truck, there was a large scratch on the hood. The truck is brand new. Should I have him ask? Should I ask to have him fix it, even though he's tight on money right now? Whew, that's a doozy, Kalamazoo. See, setting a claymore mine is easy. <laughs> Living with the consequences is the hard part. It's important to decide ahead of time your accepted level of collateral damage, whether they be enemy sentries or merely innocent villagers just making a daily trip to the river for some water. Claymores don't discriminate. If you're in the vicinity, the blast may deafen you, but still won't drown out the screams of your victims. Now remember, that mine may be your only chance at making it out of this jungle alive, but it kills more than unsuspecting patrols. A little bit of your humanity dies too. It could be a real hassle lending your vehicle to another person. All my love, Rambo. 
Oh, my love. Oh, my love. Well, that's all the time we have today, oh folks. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Adam, that was quite a bit of tape that you brought. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, it's uh, that show's been a big influence on my life. Clearly, it's got me out of some tough spots. Wise words. You know what we should have asked. You know, maybe this week uh, people can write in. Last week's show on our show, mm-hmm. we were talking about <clears throat> the snake situation in a toilet. Yeah, and Br- briefly, Adam, there was just a snake in a toilet. <laughs> and it okay. <laughs> we had a different question of the week we had all this other stuff and uh all people tweeted us about all week long were yeah. situations where snakes and or other things bats and stuff were in locations that were equally as disturbing as last week's slice and maybe you know honestly people maybe should write into this rambo advice show mm-hmm. and figure out how to deal with this situation did you, did you guys see this stuff on twitter it was crazy. Pull, I terrifying. Did, it seemed like it seemed like it sort of touched some sort of weird psychological hidden yeah, but, nerve. But but, but read a couple of these. This is insane. Some of the stuff that our podcast listeners have experienced themselves. This isn't secondhand or thirdhand. This is what they've experienced. D- Danielle said, "Middle of the night, tiny tiny Ugandan village, pit latrine, and three bats that decided to fly out at just the wrong moment." Wait, wait, wait. Oh. Pit latrine, bats in the latrine. Three bats that decided to fly out at just the wrong moment. So I would assume... As you're sitting down. As you're sitting down, three bats come out. At which point, you never recover. <laughs> I mean, you never, ever are okay again. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's If you worst. ever find any animal in the toilet, you're never coming back, right? But, but, but Psychologically. to be fair, though, Adam, th- I mean, Eddie, that was in Ug- a small Ugandan village. Right. Okay. So, so, so you presume that when you're, you're home... And you're not using outdoor latrines that your encounters with wild animals uh, are, 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 you know, very unlikely. Right. I know. Well, but I think Tim on Twitter right. wants to dispel that comforting idea. Oh. Tim lives in, in Nebraska, right in the heartland, right in the middle of America. Yeah. The places you should probably, one of the places on this planet you should probably feel safest. God right. bless him. He says that his wife awoke one morning at Two in the morning because there was a snake in the bed. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Nope. <laughs> okay, can nope. I just say Why? that this just last week, I had uh, just fallen into a, uh, a deep sleep when I was awoken by my wife scrambling across my body to get out of the bed and out of the room and hyperventilating. And uh, she informed me that through a tiny crack in the window, she had just seen a, a huntsman spider crawl through, right? Now, for people unfamiliar with Australia, flora and fauna, mm-hmm. a huntsman is about the size of your hand, right? Like, I'm not exaggerating. Like a tarantula. Yeah, it's literally about the size of your hand. Adam, you have to move. <laughs> then I had to spend the next 20 minutes trying to find the huntsman, right? And you because did, you can't you did go back find to sleep it? in the room. I did. He was, uh, I, I pulled up the window shade and he was on the window and he was big enough that you could see like his mandibles moving around. Oh my God. What did you, what did you do? Um, well, first I wet myself. Yeah. You got to immediately potty yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I killed him with a shoe. Was your wife pretty proud of you? Which did she feel pride at that moment? Uh, yeah, I think it, it she, you know, she was still suffering from some PTSD. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was. The, the other thing, even people that, like, there was somebody that said that they ran across a snake that was just crawling through their back or, or was sitting in their backyard. They thought it was, like, a toy snake, and so they went over and kicked it, and it turned out to be a real snake that, that, that got angry. 
<laughs> these incidences don't leave people. No. So, so just think like that. That's something that could literally happen to anyone. You're outside and you see a snake, but think about when you see the snake in the toilet. Right. Yeah. It's never going to leave you the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. Because that's it. Basically, I think it taps into a very primal human fear, right? Which is like a contact. A with snake nature. going into that spot. Right. We in we, you. we don't have we have houses basically so that nature won't be around us. Right. Like <laughs> bears, snakes. If we're being really really honest, little tiny cockroaches, those little wormy bugs, anything. And if it gets inside the perimeter, you got to just you don't know what to do with yourself. The laws of nature yeah, have been broken. You're right about that. Like the very concept of houses right. was invented to keep snakes from crawling up our nether regions. <laughs> Period. <laughs> we were sleeping on the ground. Then we progressed to putting like our lasso around like us. The problem of that scenario happening became so, so problematic for right. humanity right. that they figured out how to cut down trees whittle the wood down to something to, to usable yeah. lumber and construct homes to live in. You know, we've done 2000 years outside and I just cannot take one more snake. We're going to build a house. Yeah. <laughs> so Cohen and I were up in uh, Vancouver th this past summer and we were at this like suspension bridge, uh, a park or whatever and they had a mm -hmm. snack stand and so we got ice cream and there's some other you know hikers and tourists that were hanging out there for a minute and there were some uh squirrels some woodland squirrels that right. came around kind of asking for snacks you know and there's signs everywhere that says don't feed the squirrels they're aggressive and this one guy kind of aggressive yeah this one guy right because they're canadian what you, oh oh we no we don't want any snacks we're yeah. fine so this one guy like he's kind of like tossing some stuff uh, chips at the uh, squirrel and the squirrel wanted more so aggressively that the squirrel ran over to him he thought oh neat and then the squirrel went up his pants leg what? In, inside his what? pants what mission accomplished inside his pants the squirrel went <laughs> like trying to run up to where he was holding his oh, chips no can you? I would never. I would never recover. I would never recover from the idea of a squirrel being in my pants. You. Would <laughs> I think just. The, I think I, I would honestly just have a panic attack so severe I just die. I. That's yeah. why you. I only wear breakaway uh, pants now. Mm -hmm. um, Is that why? In case. That's, once again, that's why breakaway pants were invented. Right. 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 All, the the constant problem: squirrels running up pant legs. The solution: breakaway pants. And, and, and it was like one of those uh, real men of genius uh, basketball coaches who said, "Hey, you know what else we?" could use these pants for mm -hmm. basketball players <laughs> or, right. or it was it was a coach of a team that lives in a that, that played a stadium that had particularly bad infestation <laughs> yeah. that's right yeah so, you know, it was common that the players would be sitting on the bench when an errant squirrel would run up their pant legs yeah. and they would of course rip the pants off and run onto the court causing a technical squirrel. foul and interrupting gameplay <laughs> Yeah, and that over time has become a tradition. The squirrels, of course, have have disappeared, but the tradition remains, and very few people know why we do that. <laughs> yeah, it has nothing to do with ease of, of taking off or getting into the game, and that's actually where mascots come from, too. They wanted to somehow preserve the idea of large furry animals running amok. <laughs> a lot of people aren't aren't familiar with the roots of this game, but uh, you know it's really fascinating to look at the real history. <laughs> All right. Oh, anyway, well, the that, history of tearaway <laughs> pants is really the history of the the humankind. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, maybe, Run, running from nature. <laughs> maybe some of these people can write into Ask Rambo. Hey, it is uh, the end of uh, the segment. Uh, we're about to go to entertainment releases and, and slices and everything. I, d Adam, this has been so fun. I know you have to go, but man, thanks for sitting in with us. It's been so Thank fun catching up. Having. 
Yeah. It's a blast. Adam, you're awesome. I'm glad you were here. <clears throat> our is, our walk down so, memory I'm lane. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. What did he I call you, you, Don Cheadle? What was it? I, I, Timothy no. Dalton. Timothy Dalton, that's Timothy what it was. <laughs> you're the Don Cheadle to his Sean Connery. Yep. <laughs> that, that makes, makes much perfect. more sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you, Adam. Bye, Adam. Adam. Miss you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Love see you. I love you. That's so weird. That was so weird that was said. so funny. It's so weird that I let that slip out. I haven't been totally obsessed with you. I'm yeah, like I love, I, yeah, but it's just I'll like, I do, it. I love you so I'll much. I love you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, bye. All right, yeah. well, it's time for entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, January 27th. Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors yeah. is coming out with Medicine. This, uh, uh, the very first single from this album is premiering and streaming right now on The Drop at relevantmagazine.com. And the full album will be on The Drop at some point in the near future. Just awesome. FYI. Awesome. The Lone Bellow is coming out with the highly anticipated Then Came the Morning. We have a feature on them in the next issue of Relevant. Uh, they, they have a new producer and a new sound, actually. Uh, one of the guys from Aaron, the National. Yeah, Aaron Dustner from the National. Yeah. Yeah. This producer. is a great week for new music. Yeah. Uh, Milo Green is coming out with Control. Mark Ronson is coming out with Uptown Special. If y'all know the uh, Uptown Funk, the Bruno, that's, that's from this album. Uh, and he, Mark Ronson did all these funk songs and has different singers on them and stuff. It's Mark Ronson's pretty much a genius. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Bethel Music is coming out with We Will Not Be Shaken. So those are the music releases coming out. Uh, movies coming out on Friday, January 30th. Wild Card, uh, Jason Statham and Sofia Vergara. Um, Oh, yeah. Wild card. There you go. Black, <laughs> black or white, uh, Kevin Costner. I'm sure it'll be six hours long. Um, <laughs> Backstreet Boys, show them what you're made of. We're all going we'll opening there. night, right? This yeah. is kind of like Left Behind. We're all just going to yeah. show up. Yeah. yeah. I'll please, be in Paris please. that night, thankfully. Well, why are you going to be in Paris? You can't just drop that and move on. Why would That's got to be a mistake. There's a Backstreet Boys movie like going to theaters. That is correct. Why, what's the mistake that we're not required by law I, to see it? I just can't imagine there's a demand for a national release of, of wow. a film of the Backstreet Boys performing. Wow. You have not met single, lonely, 41-year-old women very much, have or you? Or pretty happy, well-adjusted 34-year-old dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys night. <laughs> Me and my bros getting together. Yeah, I can play that. I want it that way on my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Starts with A minor. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, Backstreet Boys. Slices. <laughs> <laughs> Am I living it? Do I live in it? So astounding. Love is an ocean. You can drown me. The sweet embrace, the lovely taste. I taste and see. I'm under grace. You're listening to Hillsong Young and Free. The song is This Is Living, featuring Lecrae, from the uh, This Is Life EP. The music video is playing right now over on Relevant.tv if you want to check it out. People, people have been digging that. If you, at the beginning of the podcast, uh, you heard I Am, Am I, Who Am I uh, with Chasing Kites. And that's all one word if you're going to Google it. I am, am I, who am I? 
all lowercase. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, I want to uh, give a slice uh, about a, a woman uh, named Lee Watchsetter, who's pretty much living the dream. And get, I want to see what your guys' feedback hold on, hold on, on this second. story hold on. is. Back, back, hold on a second. Back in medieval times, a lot of people were named after their vocation. You know, Ron Blacksmith. Uh, Eddie, know, just Eddie, Eddie Koffeltz. Yeah, uh, you know, Chad Candlemaker, stuff like that. Right. What is this person's name again? Watch, uh, maybe I'm misreading it. Watch Stetter. Oh. Watch Stetter. Take, you said Watch Stetter. So I thought, <laughs> what a sad vocation that you are just the Watch Stetter. But if uh, you it's miss. The village Watch Stetter, I think that would be a great vocation because honestly, it's a relatively easy job. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're telling me you would rather be a smith? Like you have to like forge stuff out of out of hot steel, or you can just be the village watch setter. Like how how long is a day's work? How many people in your village? How often are their watches inaccurate? Hey, back in the day, maybe it was a daily thing. Maybe it was a daily daily wind, still, and it goes for twenty four hours, and then it's I, done. I, I can't see it taking more than ten minutes to, to knock out the whole village. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're a lazy people. I mean, generally, it's the watch whole, setters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's their job, but oh, gosh, you're coming to watch setters. Like, Don't ask I know them someone, to bring anything. Like, uh, last name, uh, 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 there's like a hat maker, a shoemaker. Those are jobs that take, like, those would take all day. That is very know? hard like, to do. You're committed. You're a craftsman. This is, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, can you? I, it's daylight savings time. Can you, can you knock this back an hour? Sure. Here, done. Yeah, yeah, what's, done. <laughs> what's a big deal? I don't even set it. I don't even set it to my iPhone. I just here's generally the time. It's about five after. Yeah, yeah. No, no big deal. Listen, I'm having uh, a whole suit of armor forged by the Smith. He's been working on about a week, so I'm heading over there. No problem. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the medieval economic. It's a situation, but I feel like all, I know we're getting off track here. I feel like Watch Setter would be a pretty good job, even though that, I'm not entirely sure if that's what her name is. I think I just read it wrong. Anyway, <laughs> right, right, right. The only guy that the Watch Setters hang out with, the only family, is the Chalaxon family. That's oh, all Bob and, and Sandra Chalaxon. They're, they're the best. What do you want to add on? Just sit around. That's what we got to do. I just want to chillax. So uh, uh, she is a, uh, they call her Mama Lee. So it doesn't really matter um, what her last name is. That's, that's what everyone calls her, Mama Lee. She's an 86-year-old uh, widow from Florida. And recently she, well, uh, she has made the, the news because for the last seven years, she has lived aboard a cruise ship. Nonstop. So, Nonstop. She has made it her home. Uh, she pays about uh, $162,000 a year for a private room on a on the Crystal Serenity uh, cruise vessel, which is a, evidently a pretty nice sh- uh, uh, ship. She just goes around uh, the world. Uh, all her food is obviously taken care of, so all of her entertainment needs. And uh, so she has no place of residence anymore except for the ship, which she's lived on for a better part of a decade. Uh, at first, when I, when, I, when I just saw the headline that woman pays – one hundred and sixty-two thousand uh, uh, dollars for to live on a ship uh, a year round. I kind of thought it was a little ridiculous. Uh, I kind of made so, so, some judgments there. But once I read the story, I realized that there's kind of a sad element to the story. She said that her husband introduced her to cruise, cruising, and during their fifty-year marriage, they were married for fifty years. They had done uh, nearly ninety cruises together. Oh my gosh! So 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 I here's here's it's where the, the story. This is the this is the sort part of the story I want to talk about. Uh, the day before her husband died of cancer, okay. this is a quote from the from her from a profile of her in USA Today. The day before my husband died of cancer, nineteen ninety seven, he told me, "Don't stop cruising." 
Those were his dying words. Was okay? he listening to a Journey what? song? Don't stop cruising. <laughs> and she says, so here I am today living a stress-free fairy tale life. She like, At that point, all guilt, every any judgment I have for, she's just living out her husband's dying wish. Yeah, this you, is this is the thing. Literally, she's living the dream. She's living what, the dream. They make your bed five times a day. They clean up after you. Everything's comped. You can sleep in. You can go do things. Cruising is the best, laziest, most relaxing sort of yeah. vacation. You got to wish, though. You got to think, though, in that great buffet in the sky that he is currently in. Like, he kind of wishes he would have said, like, hey... Continue cruising often, like, like. But he chose to say, "Don't quit or well, never stop." Or, what, or if he had said something like, "You know, find a way to ensure global peace or cure cancer." Right. Like, like she is just dead set. It's not that she just is into cruising. It's that she just wanted to fill, fulfill his dying wish. You know, those watch setters—they're literal people, right? Well, this is what we're gonna do. The, hence, the last name has lasted this long. Well, what are you gonna do with my life? I don't. I don't have a choice. I'm a watch setter. I'm a watch setter. And don't stop cruising. I guess I have to spend the rest of my life on a boat. So I mean, that's what I he said. Do the, this other, this, the, the other sad part of the story. Well, it's I guess I don't know if it's sad. I mean, no one's making her do this. Um, but she, the reason that she chose, she used to uh, she, for three years. She lived on another cruise ship. But uh, I guess this is a thing on cruise ships. A lot of people evidently travel alone. That just say cruises solo, That's but in the sad. evenings they have like dance parties or whatever or ballroom dancing. Uh, the, this cruise line is one of the few that still has dance host. So uh, her old cruise line, she she switched to this new one because her old one eliminated the position of dance host, which is it's a dance partner. That's your job. For people who are cruising alone. I am dying. So every night she's going ballroom dancing. She's eating lobster buffets. She's hanging out by the pool. I, and I, she, yeah, does, rough she life. does like the, uh, what's the, like the Japanese steakhouse thing? Yeah. Where you sit at a table with strangers. She says she always picks the eight person table oh. and sits with new people every night and has made a ton of friends. This is my hell. It, this was what hell would be. But like her life <laughs> would be your hell? It would be having to dance every night, period. Having to be alone, dance with a stranger every night. Having to sit. But it wouldn't be a stranger because the dance host is a paid position. She's She knows Eddie Rivera. Yeah. <laughs> she said she's <laughs> taking classes with all these people. God, just sitting down at the table. Let's make seven new friends tonight. Yeah, that place, is the worst. That's the worst. a place I've eaten at. Every night for the last, I don't know, 22 months. Like, I'm just, I would be down. I could not. Oh, I hate this story. But she's been like 60 countries. Is the job of dance host. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, there are people that literally, you, you, you're, you're, like, if you were in medieval times, you would be Eddie dance host. Yeah. It would be, he, Terry dance host is the guy on this cruise. Yeah. yeah, literally. It's, it's like Terry, I, I was, yeah. I was Terry at, Dancehouse. He he's carrying on the family legacy. Yeah, he's like, well, I don't even like dancing, but I am a dance host, so I guess I might as well get a job on this cruise line. A couple Destiny of years, has chosen this job for me. It's like a couple years ago, Bree ran uh, in the Chicago Marathon, and there was somebody that was hired to be the last person in, so that the actual last person in finishes the you know crosses the finish line, and then somebody else runs behind them, so that you there is no last person that just that's a job. That is a job. Well, I think it was like a sponsored kind of thing. Yeah. Well, but no, it was. It's Sandy Runlast. Uh, I know she does it. <laughs> they she, have to. She goes around all the. <laughs> she goes around all the, <laughs> the marathons. Runlast family. <laughs> the Runlast family. That's yeah. what they're famous for. Yeah. <laughs> the dance host. So 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 he's There's not, a lot of wrinkles to this. Story. The dance host. This person is he or she is not. Lo- 
And not just because the woman is 86 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like a pug. Hi-yo. But here's no, my... No, but she seems like a sweet lady. <laughs> How do you get that? What's because it? she says that she look, likes making friends on, on board these sh- ships. She's not just... She, this isn't like a humble brag thing. Like, oh, I'm just... <laughs> I, I, I own my own cruise ship or whatever. I'm just a fixture. It's like this is the lifestyle that she has chosen to live out her golden years. I say good for her. She really has a good icebreaker I, to make new friends at the table. Like, what time you got? What time yeah. you got over there? What's what time? Let me help you out. Everybody pass your... Oh, you know what? You're about, you're about three minutes what? off. Let me let me fix it up for you. Yeah, everybody pass your watches in. <laughs> I'm going to get these all dialed up. All right, we're all at the same time. Oh, look, you got a lobster in your hat. You got to throw... They threw a shrimp at you. Isn't that crazy? Here he comes. Going to make the volcano in three, two, one. I love cruising. From Jeffrey Shrimp Thrower. <laughs> Good. Well done. <laughs> Jeffrey Shrimp Thrower. I, how great would the medieval times have been just for that aspect? I think they're pretty horrible in every possible oh. way. You're just oh, about yeah, the, yeah. Naming, the naming aspect. Yeah, I mean, mm. like the Black Plague, the caste system, all of that would be terrible. But a lot, you would eliminate a lot of small yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never have to do what do you do for your living. camera magazine publisher. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. How about this weather we've been having? Man, any, anyone got the plague on your side? Nuts. Yeah, I lost my whole family. You? Yeah, me so, too. Knights. How about them? Pretty cool, huh? I heard they switched to a round table. Pretty good. <laughs> That's going to help things out. Think about that. A round table. What are they going to think what, of next? Who's at the head? We don't know. <laughs> Made by Stephen Carpenter. <laughs> right. Right. right, exactly. No, it was, it was, it was actually Jeff Roundtable Maker. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was many generations before they yeah, realized, they were like, yeah. hey, it's just called Carpenter. <laughs> our family can do a lot more with our business. Yeah, if we as just... the Renaissance kind of enlightenment came, they just changed their name to Carpenter. Yeah, right. instead of like Michael Bookshelf Builder. And, right. Yeah, okay. Let's yeah. just, he's, he's the Carpenter family. It's going to, we're going to expand the family yes. business. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. I, I feel like, and this is driving me crazy, I feel like I've done this slice before and it's driving me nuts. So I'm going to bring up the slice and I apologize in advance if I've brought this up before. Um, a 23, 23 year old British man uh, cannot lead a normal life because he feels as though he is trapped in a time loop. 2007, uh, just after he started at university, he would get deja vu, sometimes lasting for just a few minutes at a time. And we've all had deja vu before, right? Just kind of like that feeling where you feel like, oh, hold on, that just happened, right? The, the little tingle. Yeah. The, what? The little tingle. You either have it or you don't, guys. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so he gets a little bit of deja vu. And uh, the story progresses that all of a sudden, uh, or regresses as it were, he, it continues because he said he couldn't uh, watch TV, he couldn't listen to the radio, he couldn't do anything because he had this feeling that the content had existed before. And so this guy, at, 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 uh, at 23 years old, starts to get permanent deja vu. If you can imagine, like, could you imagine being in that kind of scenario where you're just constantly feeling like everything I've done, I've already done before? I feel like it would completely... It's called The Matrix. Exactly. Yeah. So, so do they know what... It, is there some, like, neurological condition that's causing this? Well, they looked into that. Um, so it was not... 
it was it was the first ever case of anxiety causing deja vu. Uh, particularly, like this kid was already sort of having a rough time because he was already like washing his hands a bunch and showing a bunch of different symptoms of maybe some deeper anxiety that were bubbling up. But um, one of the doctors who, Dr. Christine Wells, said that mistime uh, neural firing in the brain, which causes more deja vu, and then in turn brings on more anxiety. So they said that basically this kid kind of just got into this weird cycle of anxiety, which then caused the deja vu, which then caused uh, the anxiety, uh, which I thought was a super scary process, a prospect. What are you going to say, Jesse? Go ahead. I, well, you said earlier that that he it ruined his his ability to watch TV. Yeah. Well, like, did he just did he just feel like everything was a rerun? Yeah, I haven't given away the ending of the story yet, but okay. there is a lot. No, no, no. But you're asking the right questions. There, like, all, that doesn't make sense. Like, if yeah. I had deja vu while I'm watching, like, let's say Better Call Saul comes on, I was like, oh, th- this looks familiar. Right. I, okay, I just shelve that and keep on plowing through. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't that he was just finding them familiar. It's that he was actually accessing memories. So it felt like to him super boring because he's like, I've already seen the show. I already know what's going to happen, and he starts to be paralyzed because of this. But then it's also like, well, he is a young university student, and this is the first ever case of this happening. And then at the very end, the kid reveals to the doctor, the report also notes that after the deja vu, st- that uh, notes that after the deja vu started, the man took LSD one time, and then uh, the deja vu was absolutely continuous after that. So this kid basically got out of school by pretending that he had deja vu, and because he took LSD one time in school. So it's all a lie. <laughs> so wait, 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 but he's still feeling it. So he's he, still it, so saying he's feeling the it. The crisscross wires. Yeah, yeah, are real. It? So it's either, it may be anxiety, it may be LSD, it may be a little bit of his own background noise, but whatever the case is. White noise. <laughs> Classic white noise. It's another case of white noise disrupting someone's life. (laughs) (laughs) His name is not Luke Redenauer. Yeah. Hey, no, no, I don't yell stuff at Luke. No, No, I'm just saying. Support Luke. But he's taking note whether he wants to or not. Obviously, it's affecting him. He goes home and talks to his wife about it. Yeah. Yeah, he, He knows. He knows all the time. So. Yeah, uh, she's like, Luke, it seems like something's eating away at you. <laughs> the things Cameron said. It's just really, really hurtful. I thought he was a nice guy. That's Anyhow. funny. That's terrible. It's kind of weird. I Although ju- the whole TV thing, who cares? I've seen Seinfeld a million times. I can say every word exactly. of every episode and I still enjoy it. I know. Yeah. I do feel, I do hate that feeling of deja vu though. Don't you like have that moment and you just, like to me, I feel like I'm just hitting a brick wall. I'm like, oh, I just... That all just happened. I how, had a, how often does that happen to you? I mean, I can think maybe like maybe two times in my life I've yeah, felt that way. Yeah, there's been like a few times yeah. ever, but it's so pronounced and strange. I don't understand it. I tried to read uh, some deeper reading about what deja vu is, and I just completely, it completely what, lost What me. was it saying? Oh, you yeah. know. I did not understand it. It's basically like it, you, the part of your, the best, I can, I'm going to do a terrible job at this, but the part of your brain that thinks it knows something touches the part of like interacts with the part of your brain that just experienced something. And so you basically completely believe that you know that that already happened, even though you absolutely never had any cognizant awareness that something already was about to happen. It's so weird to me. A more, so it's basically, a, your brain is tricking itself into thinking it's experienced something that it hasn't totally. experienced. Yes, and it's looping in on itself. Yeah, that's what's... More likely... It's the Matrix. Yeah, more likely this kid is Neo. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. More, more likely we are enslaved by by robots who are harboring us for our energy. We just don't know. Right. Yeah. That's we just the thing. don't know. But we know. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. 
Stay tuned. Up next, Michael K. Williams. Yeah, when opportunity knocked, I had to stand up and come forward and run towards it from jump. I didn't want more than just to make it through that front door without fronting. Just one tour, maybe one more, then suddenly the next opportunity knocked and said, open up. One show, if you're dope enough, they'll know what's up. And someone in the front row will notice you and go home and download some stuff. And then show it to the next opportunity soon. You might have a platform, fans to rap for, some stamps in your passport, some banks and backboard, amped up patch cord. I'm plugged in. Eyes focus on that door The opportunity to give something See it clear You need to be aware It's easy to see it there It might not reappear No need to fear Just one thing You need to hear that now Now let it drop uh. You're listening to Shad and DJ Tilo The song is Knock From the Boarding Pass EP This week's feature interview Is brought to you by Nature Box Life is hectic So sometimes it's hard to make The best snacking choices people uh, especially when you're hungry and looking for a quick pick-me-up. You know what? That is most of my day. Uh, I forget to eat lunch most of the time. And uh, I really do. Like, it'll literally be like 4 o'clock, and I went, why am I so hungry? Why am I so hangry? Oh, I didn't what? eat. It's if a really only easy I had... meal to forget, isn't it? It is, right? That's why this makes sense. Right. So you always have some NatureBox around. Here's yeah. what I Do what I do. Get uh, delicious and healthy snack options at NatureBox.com. With over 100 nutrition- nutritionist-approved snacks, uh, NatureBox has something for everyone, all with zero artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners, zero grams of trans fat, and no high fructose corn syrup. You'll even find snacks with the bold flavors you crave without any artificial nonsense in them. Because if there's something I won't tolerate in my snacks, it's nonsense. Yeah, I can, da- I can deal with just a little bit of silliness, but nonsense, absolutely not. <laughs> Some flap doodlery. What was it? Flap, well, it's a flap doodle. Flap doodlery. I'm going to take one ounce of flap doodle in my snack. <laughs> So in the afternoon slump, when you're hungry and irritable, here's what we do. We grab sriracha roasted cashews yes, from yes. NatureBox, or pistachio power clusters, or Big Highland pineapple. Uh, they're all great. And now we want to give you the chance to try NatureBox for free with a trial box featuring five of their most popular snacks. You heard me. Free snacks. Folks, free snacks. Start your free trial right now by going to naturebox.com relevant. You know you're going to snack. Just get smart about it with NatureBox. NatureBox.com slash relevant. Love them. Michael K. Williams is one of TV's most respected and acclaimed actors. He brings complicated and charismatic characters to life, often with surprising tenderness, and has established himself as a gifted and versatile performer with a unique ability to mesmerize audiences with his stunning character portrayals. He's best known for his remarkable work on The Wire, which ran for five seasons on HBO. Uh, he was Omar. He, he also co-stars on HBO's critically acclaimed series Boardwalk Empire. Um, it, it's produced by Martin Scorsese. Did you know that? Oh, really? It's a really great show. He plays so Chalky good. White, a 1920s bootlegger, and he's impeccably suited. Always looks cool. Always. He and, is. Including on our cover story. Yeah. He is one of those actors that can just, he has a great glance. I love him. But but the cool thing that our story gets into is the other side of him, uh, where he gives back to the community. Um, He established Making Kids Win, a charitable organization whose primary objective is to build community centers in urban neighborhoods that are in need of safe spaces for children to learn and play. And also in our our story, he tells about the unbelievable... uh, pivot that happened in his life because of the church and a pastor in New Jersey. It's really amazing. Mm. Um, Our very own Tyler Huckabee recently spoke to him. Here is part of our interview with Michael K. Williams. Omar. Omar. Omar coming, yo. Omar coming, yo. Omar coming. Come on, Omar. 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 Come on, Omar.
Open this door, man, for a huff and puff. Come on now, by the hands of your chinny chin chin. Omar, you best roll out. We up in here with the Mac 10. Oh, I think it's not, Terrell. I think it's not. Y'all might need to think this through and stop wasting my time. Because Omar will come back tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day. And I will put a bullet in all y'all behind what happened right now. You heard? <laughs> I want to go back a little bit. Do you mind giving me just a little bit of your origin story, kind of how you broke into to acting? Because you started out as a dancer, right? Yeah, I was a background dancer, commercial background dancer, but mostly um, house music acts. And, um, you know, did a ton of music videos. And uh, the late, great Tupac Shakur was in New York shooting a film with uh, Mickey Rock called Bullet. And he saw a Polaroid picture of me and in his words, he thought I looked down enough to play his little brother. <laughs> he had Julian Temple, who, who was the director, um, scour the streets of New York for me. And um, I came in, I auditioned, and uh, I booked the part. And it kind of changed the, uh, the, the trajectory of my life. And then was uh, would you consider The Wire to be sort of your breakout role? Oh, The Wire was absolutely, absolutely my breakout role. You know, um, The Wire came in a very interesting time in my life. I was, um, you know, pretty much, you know, I hit a wall. I was you know, depressed, you know, for all intended purposes. You know, intended purposes, I, I had, you know, up until that point, I was um, pretty much booking everything that I had went in for, and then, you know, the phone just, just went dead. I, I couldn't get a, I couldn't get a, get a role of my life depended on it, and, you know, all of a sudden I was going into these auditions like I would die if I didn't get bug number three. So I, I just, um, I decided to take, to take a back seat and, and fall back and give it a break. You know, there was a part of me that thought maybe you know the ride was over and I should probably look for other other means of, of supporting myself. So I um I went to work in my mother's daycare in Brooklyn as her as I coined myself her administrative assistant. <laughs> and um yeah, and there I worked for two the better part of two years, and it was uh toward the end of two thousand and one. I want to say, you know, near 2001, I just got an itch like, you know, Mike, I should give this thing one more shot. And I, you know, I did. And I, I put my, my name back in, you know, in the hat that I was available for work. And um, that was in like November of 2001. And by March, I was on the wire. You come at the K, you best not miss. When you think back to those days on uh, on the wire, obviously like very demanding shoots, really demanding show. Uh, do you think of those as being mostly easy days or, or tough days? Oh, the wire was definitely was tough. You know, it, we we bust our butts in Baltimore, but um, I wouldn't trade it for all the, all the money in the world. And uh, you know, the the amount of lessons I learned professionally and personally are, are were paramount to me. You know, um. I equate my wire years to, to, to like being in college, you know, and I was able to take what I learned from that production and from being around my coworkers, and, and it's, which is why Boardwalk Empire was was a lot more smoother process for me. But there's a lot of a lot of growing up on the wire, and um, it, you know, just again blessed to be a part of that cast and um, fortunate to be to be asked to 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 uh, portray that storyline. 
there's a uh, there's sort of a stereotype, and I don't know how true it is, that in Hollywood, uh, both both in television and in film, and, and I know those are getting more and more closely related. Um, you, it's the bigger you get, the easier it is to sort of lose perspective and, and forget where you came from. H- have you found that to be true, or, or a difficult temptation for you to deal with? You know, I can't speak for anybody else what that truth may or may not be, but for me, you know, that's 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 um that's that's not that's not part of the plan. That's not negotiable for me to forget. That's not up for discussion for me to forget where I came from. You know, um, the very characters that I play are. are is a reflection of where I came from. You know, my upbringing, my childhood plays a part in how I, I approach my characters. You know, so um, for me to forget where I came from would be to forget how to, 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 to empathize, you know, or how to bring humanity to the characters that I, that I play, you know, that I, that I love to play. So that's, that's not an option for me to forget where I come from. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Surely do. State your name for the record. Omar Devon Little. Mr. Little, how old are you? About 29, they're about. And where do you live? No place in particular, ma'am. You're homeless? And when, so to speak. And what is your occupation? Occupation? What exactly do you do for a living, Mr. Little? I rip and run. Of the uh, of the characters you've played, uh, both in television and film, which one do you think you relate to the most, or, or which one felt the closest to who you actually are? Uh, you know, I would probably have to say Omar. You know, people, if you really look at Omar, he was an outsider. You know, um, he was not the you know the cool kid on the block. He he didn't sell drugs. He didn't use drugs. He didn't drive fancy cars or wear fancy clothes. He didn't date women. You know, those are all things that make you cool in the hood, and he was anti all of that. You know, and um, that was very, uh, you know, outside from the aspect of dating dating women, I, I identify with all of those things. You know, um, you know the fact that he was sensitive. You know, and you know, and and, and um, I you know though all of those those character traits I, I have in my real life. So I would say that Omar was probably the closest to me. You know, coming from the hood. What's the problem? Ran out of time. Now, Joe, you've been so busy being devious, you done messed around and got yourself caught up in the web. Yo, Ma, I don't know what you've been hearing. Oh, now. now, Joe, ain't no time for no lies now. Now, see, I need you to be straight. Just like you did on that New Day co-op sit-down. Oh, yeah, I know about that. But what you say is interesting, because there probably is an Omar in every city. Probably more than one Omar in every city. Uh, what do you what do you hope or, or think that they would take away from watching The Wire? How do you think that would change the way they see themselves? Or would it change the way they see themselves? Well, I would hope that humanity would want to have no more wires. Mm. You know, we don't need no more wires. You know, we don't need no more Breaking Bads. And I'm not talking about the TV show. I'm talking about people who live that that lifestyle. You know, it's, you know those shows are entertainment. I call, I call it edutainment. It's there to educate us on a society, on a part of society, or a part of our culture. You know how you know to show how people are living in our country, in our in our world, and um, you know people are hurting. You know, just, these, these shows are about people who are in pain. You know, and I would hope that uh, you know you know mankind, human race, would want to not have any more you know Omars running around. Or no, no more cities to make another wire and, you know, or breaking bad and 
you know, these shows are, you know, they're groundbreaking and they're very entertaining, but let's not forget the fact that these people, these characters are in so much pain, so much pain, they're, you know, struggling so hard with whether it's with addiction or, you know, living lives of crime, feeling, feeling like there's no other way out but to sell drugs, you know, um, um, coming from, you know, broken families or being born addicted to drugs. It's, it's, these are not things that, you know, these shows are based on people's real lives, and I, we can't take, we can't lose sight of that as, as a society. And I would hope that that's what people would walk away from the most. Years from now, what do you think your legacy will be? Or, or when people think of your of you and your career, what do you hope they think of, or how do you hope they define you? I would hope that people will remember me by the work I do off off camera. You know, um, I'm at a point in my life where. No, I do not want to run for office, or I, I don't want to be anybody's role model per se. But I, I do want to um, go back to my community, you know, underserviced communities of this country, and just you know, um, ease the pain a little bit that I grew up in, that I grew up seeing, you know. And I, you know, I hope to one day use the platform that's been given to me as an entertainer to shed light on on certain walks of life of people, of, you know, to show people the pain and to help and to um, be a voice, to, you know. So um, I would hope that uh, I'll be remembered for the, mostly the stuff that I did off camera. What do you think? Because a lot of people will, they're aware that there's a need in some of those communities, there's aware that they're aware that there's people hurting, but they don't really know what to do. They don't know how to get involved or how to help. Would you have any advice for people like that? You know, um, just you know, starting your community, start small. You know, me personally, I I love the youth. You know, what I mean, it, it it could be something as simple as just you know going in your local public school and and finding a kid that's that's on the fence and mentoring them. You know, um, um, or you know. Take, make, you know, help them with their homework or if that's just saying, you know, maybe every other week grab, grab the, the local neighborhood kids up and take them to the movies or take them to the ball game. You'd be surprised how how much a few hours out of one's, in, you know, environment can do for one's state of mind, you know. You don't have to change, be, you know, try to change the world overnight, you know. It's, it's about concrete baby steps. You know, you just grab. You could, you could, if you could change or affect one person's life, one child's life. You know, your job is done. Job well done. You know, bravo. So I, I, I always say, let's start. You know, if you're asking me, for me, it's always about the youth, the next generation. To start with them, dare them to dream or or to have hope about their future. You know, because um, that's what the generation, that's what the, the next generation is missing. They're missing hope. You know. They don't care if our life is cheap on the street. So much violence because they have no hope. They're not dreaming to be better. If anything better, they don't see any way out. So I would like to counteract that. That was Michael K. Williams. Make sure to read the cover story in the current issue of Relevant, out now. And you can find out more at michaelkennethwilliams.com.
You're listening to Aaron Gillespie. The song is Hold Me Close from his upcoming album. Uh, the song actually premiered this week on The Drop. Irrelevant. Um, okay, so it's time for your feedback. Last week's uh, episode, we had a great question of the week. We'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also last week on the episode, we met a couple of the female members of the Relevant staff. Mm. And it became evident to Eddie that maybe they don't listen to the show. No. So we decided to ask back onto the show Lauren from last week's episode. <laughs> Lauren? Hi, welcome. Hello. And we thought it'd be great. Can you take down the enthusiasm by just a notch? How pumped up are you right now? So we thought (laughs) it would be really helpful for people who didn't catch last week's show Mm -hmm. if uh, Lauren would bring them a recap in the new segment, Lauren Recaps Last Week's Episode. Week's show. Okay, Lauren, why don't you tell everybody a quick synopsis of what happened in last week's Relevant Podcast. It's the week of January whatever. Lauren. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, well? What was your favorite part of the show, other than when you and your friends were on? Oh my god, Lauren, you literally... This is an embarrassment. <laughs> Lauren, did you listen... Let's be honest, did you listen to the show? To the part I was in. <laughs> Lauren, Lauren we, we know you listened. Just to prove it. Okay, Eddie okay. made a confession of something very, very embarrassing about himself. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> Just guess what it was. It was, it was. Uh, him playing Jewel on the piano and singing this oh! morning. Oh. I, did do, I did do that this morning. I came right. into the studio, I saw that the piano was out, and I had to, I had to get in my E-zone, and I played uh, Foolish Games on piano it's for true. Chad, and it was very beautiful. It was. It was beautiful. <laughs> I uh no I I really I didn't listen. Oh come on! You After didn't... Eddie called you out publicly, you didn't be like, "Oh, I need to brush up." What did you think about your part on the show last week? Let's talk about that. Yeah. So so the only part you listened to was was your own. And wh- how did you rate it? Yeah. How did I rate it? Yeah. How how, yeah, you how rate? did you rate your performance? What does Shia LaBeouf think about what you said on the show? I don't. Well, first of all, I probably it was more like. A news flash, like I didn't know, because I kind of blacked out last time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it, wait, like, wait, rehearing wait, wait. it. <laughs> what, what do you mean when you say you blacked out? <laughs> just from all the nerves. Who knows what I said? I it was like a surprise to listen. You back just to entered it. into like an intense zone where you walked into the studio and in like some indiscriminate amount of time went by. And the you Shekinah glory. You don't know what happened. It was me. so thick. Shekinah <laughs> yes. glory. Yeah. And then all I could think about were my regrets of my answers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> that's kind now of the way you know we, we all feel. feel. A lot of blacking out involved. Question: <laughs> A lot of regret. How has the fame been for you this week? I know there was kind of a before podcast and after podcast moment. What's it like walking through? I don't know where you shop. Like I don't know, Gap like Publix or, or, or <laughs> Five Seven Nine or something. How is it walking <laughs> through? I don't know much Side about Mark that short. Holes, what happened? Yeah. What? What's it like walking through that store <laughs> oh and people just recognize you and just can't stop talking to you? What's that been like? Well, you're in, let's say you're in the spice section of Marshalls. Tell us, bring the us there. Spice. <laughs> <laughs> the spice section. Help us out. You're, oh picking up, you're restocking oregano. You're in the back of Marshalls. You just did the she podcast. She got some smart Your slack. Your world has changed. Some what oregano. Are people say? Yeah. What are people saying? Anybody come up to no, you? No. They didn't talk to you about your I'm famous in the office, though. Are you? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's oh. a big deal. You know, I made the cut, so everyone's like, ooh. Yeah, man. so behind, a, little, a little behind the <laughs> scenes is that uh, we had all the female staff members come and say hi, and the segment ran so long, we decided <laughs> to just keep three, and we, we would 
kind of invite the others back throughout the coming weeks and we months. We do have 55 other females in the office, so that segment did take a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your it segment took us, was uh, about two and a half days to record it. <laughs> your segment was pretty riveting, as you know, as is this one. <laughs> like, you're obviously pretty into podcasting and being on the show. Yeah, we, can, we can tell you were, were prepped for this one as well. No, hold on. Actually, I'm going to say I cannot believe this because this morning I went to her and said, you know what? In the interest of fairness, I'm going to give you a heads up. Chad's making a jingle. We're going to have you recap the last week's show. Heads up. And what? she's like, wait, for real? You want me to listen to it? And I was like, all I'm giving you is a heads up. I'm not saying what you do with that information. And you didn't listen to it. I, I listened, listened to part of it. She listened to part of it. I, heard I wasn't a, on it. I heard part of it coming from her desk this morning. Okay. What just, was the, her just a small part what, of it. What though. was the question of the week? What? Okay. Nice. At the end of the show, we always ask a question of the a feedback question. We invite. This is the segment that you're in. Feedback, oh. and 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 we asked we asked a question of the week last week <laughs> that people respond responded to online. I didn't get to the. Okay. End. What was the story? Whatever. What's the story? <laughs> we know. What's the story that Jesse shared that kind of freaked people out? Uh, we got to be no, done, right? Uh, no. Um, uh, Tyler. Tyler. Oh, Tyler shared yeah. it. Got it. All right. I'm. So, I don't want to do. Do you think it slices? I have no idea. No. Wow. All right, man. Well, well, we'll be back. You'll be back next terrible. week. Yeah, next week. Oh my god! <laughs> well, listen, this is my favorite new segment. Th- this is <laughs> it's gonna keep happening. <laughs> yeah, just get ready. You sit right outside of the office, it, it, yeah, the studio. You, you just... think that you know dealing with the paparazzi was tough? This was just <laughs> you. Uh, one more question before you go: How are things going with you and the boyfriend? Getting kind of real. Shia? <laughs> okay, you don't have to answer that question. You can be released from this torture. <laughs> All right, well, that was... Last week's show. So good. Mm. Sorry. Looking forward to next week's installment, Lauren. Heads up. We had some good stuff on the show this week. I think you're going to really like it. Lauren, if you want, I can just send you the unedited version <laughs> oh, of the yeah. podcast yeah. and you can just really just dig into it. It's 11 it. hours Perfect. long. Yeah. Yeah. We've been recording all, right. all day. Thanks for coming. I'll try harder next Hi, time. Okay. We're going to ask you about a random episode from the archives. <laughs> I will tell you it's from episode 250 to 375. So you might want to catch up on those. Yeah. I'll get her on that. <laughs> Right. Thanks, Thanks. Guys. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you what is the best prank you've ever pulled or had pulled on you. Best prank you've ever pulled or had pulled on you. You guys went over to uh, Twitter, hit us up at, at Relevant Podcast, and you posted your comments. Sweet Lauren just walked out of the studio so dejected. Oh, just uh, sobbing. Uh, I am literally, I am serious. I told her, so you're not caught off guard. Like just this is coming, and she's she did like, "Sound caught off guard." And she, I like <laughs> like Chad, that. like Chad. I heard her listening to the episode yeah. to like cram, yeah. and, and I heard she, I heard her say one thing about her performance last week. Okay, this is all I heard come from her desk this morning. I was really quiet. Yeah, that's what she said. I, which is that not, was her feedback. Which is funnily not her personality when she's like comfortable mm, hanging out with correct. Friends. Gosh. It is really funny to see how different people, all of them, all well, of the staff members who came in last week, they just change personalities. Well, it's hard. Hey. I, I I listened one in the kind of last probably two months. I heard the first episode that I was on and it was just like, hello. Yeah, I'm trying to joke. No, no, no. I don't want to talk. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, it's terrifying. You know, I like to get into the rhythm of the banter and we were not helpful last week. We were just like, hey, here's a question. Let's all make jokes about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Wait, jump on in. Please jump on in. Next, next, next. Next, guys. get another person in here. We need more joke time. <laughs> you failed miserably. You're never getting an opportunity to be on the podcast again. Now leave. Well, you know what? The worst thing, though, honestly, I caught wind today that the, that the girls who didn't make the cut took it as they weren't funny enough and kind 
of resented the edit. Well, I sent them an email, and I that's what I laid out. I said, Chad made that call. <laughs> we all thought it was amazing. Chad, specifically. Yeah. Chad Michael Snavely. He named you and said, not funny. Yeah, that's actually your new last I, name. We saw a list, a uh, staff list, and it literally next to each name was funny, not funny. Mm-hmm. So and it was signed, Chad Michael Snavely. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> all right, so last week we asked you, what's the best prank you've ever pulled or had pulled on you? You posted your answers also on the uh, podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here's a few of our favorites. Uh, Clayton Wakefield said, sometimes the simplest ones are best, and I agree. Uh, he unscrewed the dorm's bathroom shower head, uh, which is something you can evidently do, and packed it full of Kool-Aid power, powder and then re-screwed it. I guess it wasn't like a, a brightly colored Kool-Aid power, powder because a roommate showered, and he said he came out, and, and the guy was complaining that his skin felt very sticky when he was trying to dry off. So he got back into the shower, got out, and was perturbed at how sticky his skin still was. He said he repeated this five times before he figured something out was happening. Oh, that's good. I like it. Yeah. Like, like I said, the, the simple ones are, are, are very effective. So he probably didn't go for the, the red Kool-Aid. He went for, like, the yellow Kool-Aid. Yeah, which, which I like it because he's thinking ahead here. You know, it's more of the long con, see? It's like, oh. No, red water is coming out. Go to the next shower. It's, I'm gonna. This is see he what his his isn't just a physical prank making someone sticky. It's a psychological prank. <laughs> like the psychological prank being, why am I sticky? Yeah, yeah. yeah something is obviously wrong. There's only one thing to do: get back into the shower. Little does he know that's the source of his stickiness. <laughs> it's slow and sa- it's a Chinese water torture thing. <laughs> Uh, Rich, this one, I like this one a lot. You would have thought he would have learned his lesson, though. Uh, he said that he had a roommate back in the day uh, uh, that, uh, you know, they shared a refrigerator. Well, anyway, Rich would frequently eat hard-boiled eggs, and he would boil a bunch of them at a time, and he would get a marker and write HB on the egg and put it back in the carton. So that way, uh, when he wanted a snack, he would grab one of his hard-boiled eggs, smack it on the counter to unpeel the shell. Well, his roommate thought it would be funny to just go ahead and write HB on some of the non-hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> That's good. So, uh, Rich, there were several occasions. When he, and I guess his roommate was thinking ahead, too, because he spaced this out. Like, uh, you know, the first time Rich smacks was on the counter and a raw egg goes everywhere. He thinks, oh, you got me, but you surely won't do this again. He did it several times over the course of the times they were roommates. Oh, that's good. I like, I like Matt. Matt said, uh, when I was in Bible college living in my dorm, my buddy and I got into another guy's room, took one of his dresser drawers, lined it with plastic, filled it with water, and then put six goldfish in it. The best part was that the night before, I moved out of the dorm so he could do nothing to retaliate after he found the goldfish. What do you do with that? How do you even get the water out of the drawer? I mean, that's like yeah, and what gallons. becomes of the goldfish? Right, and they're just gone. I mean, that's it. Or you just feel like, well, I gotta got a drawer for a gold, full of goldfish now. I guess I'll feed them. His name his name is Bob Goldfish now. <laughs> right. Well, th- this one from this one from a user named Maddie Too Fatty. Uh, and that's what oh, PH. That's the Too Fatty it's family. Uh, that, the, the Too Fatty family, uh, every every generation has to live up to their heritage. It has to be really cool. We are just too uh, fatty. <laughs> almost, yeah, almost too cool. Um, so uh, Matty <laughs> Too Fatty gives one that started off as a mediocre prank, but took a dark turn that he's just now confessing to. Uh, a friend of his from high school received a brand new Honda Civic for their high school graduation. So shortly after that, uh, they thought it'd be funny if they go to her house and toilet paper it. So uh, I guess this person lives on uh, along uh, quite a bit of property. 
So what they did is they parked at the in, the on the street at the end of the driveway, and it was like half mile up to get near the house. And they had some woods, so they were going to toilet paper the car, hide in the woods, and then they made the phone call because they wanted to see the reaction from a friend. So they called the house and said, in an omin- in, in, in what he says is in whispered, disguised voices, "What's gray and in your driveway?" and hung up. Well, unfortunately, it was her father that answered the phone, and all he heard was, we're here and we're in your driveway. Uh, So uh, a terrified father ran out with his shotgun, shouting profanities, randomly firing into the woods. Oh, my. So the the group of friends just laid low. He said, fortunately, the the, the father never pointed it in their direction, but this went on for a while, and they're too – what do you do in that situation? You, You can't say, it's just us. It was just a joke. You're dealing with a guy with a gun here. They laid low. Once he went back to the house, they ran back to their car, drove home in silence, and never spoke of it again. <laughs> oh, he also added, hopefully they don't listen to this podcast. It's very likely that they don't. Clayton, uh, this is pretty high-minded. I didn't even know this would work, but it, it kind of makes me want to try it. He said this was back in the day when people would— Jesse, you know, pre- I think all of these—I mean, your enthusiasm yeah. for this this question of the week uh, responses, I think all of these are things that kind of make you want to try them. Oh, absolutely. These are great. <laughs> it really brings me back to, I, I, you know, I don't really pr- play a lot of pranks as much as I used to, but in the college days, this was, stuff like this is, you know, was one of the primary ways we passed the time. Uh, Clayton said that back uh, uh, at one point he had, a, uh, he had some roommates, and it was when people would use bar soap uh, instead of body wash and, and things like that. So once whoa, 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 one whoa, whoa, of his roommates whoa, 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 left, whoa, 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 and he took this, the soap out of the shower. Is this a generational thing or something? Like back when people used bar soap as a body wash? I still use soap. Yeah, yeah. I don't want squirty stuff all over me. I, want, I need the hard rub. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you there. I think, I think we've moved on from that. Are you serious? No way. Bar soap is superior in every way. How do you scrub with with just goop? Yeah, and I mean, uh, there there's loofahs. You, okay, because yes. that's better. But you want a loofah? Everybody here uses a washcloth of some sort, right? I've heard but, people. But, but, but when you say scrub, Cameron, the surface of a bar of soap is pretty slick and waxy. Well, like but, I don't see any hard scrubbing going on there. I, it just it just sliding off the surface. I'm a clean individual who uses bar soap. Yeah, yeah, bar soap and a and a manner of abrasion. So yeah. some sort of the abrasion is rarely needed, but I have a washcloth on hand. So sometimes you just go bar of soap only. Bar soap, shampoo, fingers. Well, if you're, you're using done. wait, 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 wait. If wait. you're using a wash rag, then why not use the liquid soap? But I, I said I rarely use the wash rag because the bar of soap gives me the amount of resistance that I need. <laughs> To friction that I need to, to, to exfoliate the cells that I want to exfoliate and leave the ones that I don't. I feel like with your loofah stuff, you're mm-hmm. scrubbing yourself like sandpaper. Because to okay, me, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna about to ruin the bar no, of soap thing. No. Go look in your soap dish. Yeah. Okay. It's disgusting. <laughs> it, 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 one, one, if you're lucky enough to have a soap dish that actually works and the, and the bar of soap it and squirting everywhere. <laughs> For weeks on end. Okay. And you guys know this is a problem. Don't act like it's not. Uh, I don't okay. have, no, I got one of those shower caddy things. It's got yeah. a perfect little container. Yeah. And we clean and it. You just put that yeah. wet and we clean bar it. of soap just to collect gunk and mold But the thing every is, time. see, That's what fine. you do is you, It's your world, man. You take, you take the goop and you put it on there, then you put it back in the shower caddy and then you scrub up, right? 
This is the problem. I to me, it's sort of like you know how like you eat spaghetti with like a spoon and a knife, and it's just kind of like an all-in sort of experience as you're going through it, right? Yeah. Like you gotta have the soap in the left hand, the washcloth in the right hand, little soap on, nice washcloth, abrasion, get the dirt off, a little soap on again, you know, under the armpits, nice washcloth again. You're doing soap one time and that soap is just getting dirtier and dirtier i'm doing fresh layers of nice and clean soap every few seconds so you're telling me you you go through a bar of soap per shower <laughs> no no he's no. got surface area what jesse is, what, eddie what's your soap bill I'll, like on a month how much how much are you allotting just for purchasing hey, soap? no don't answer. you know i literally I, this is the craziest thing you said that because i literally the other day i needed a new bar of soap so right. i got under the sink and i realized uh, i was on the second bar of the pack i bought yeah. Yeah. But the pack I bought, I had purchased at Costco. Yeah. And so I'm looking at this thing, and there's at least, what, 24 bars of soap in this Easily. thing. Okay, Easily. so this is now 22 left. Mm-hmm. I had the conscious thought, what will be my life? What will my life be like when I'm done with this pack of soap? No, but that's a good question. You know what I'm saying? Because it's going to be years that, from now. It could be years from now. Years. And I thought, man, this soap is going to see me through that's a why, lot of stuff. That's why every time I open it up, I write a little thing on it, and it's my journal. You have that's a little my, you have a little Bob <laughs> Goff pack of soap. Here's where I am in my life right I'm going to write a note to myself in that last bar. Yeah. I'm going to put it, open that little box, write a little note to the right. future me, and then one day I'm going to read that thing. Congratulations see, well, on Well, here's your, another thing. I, why I use just a bottle of Irish Spring. I don't have time for introspection <laughs> and self-reflection. I'm then, here to take a shower. Then you don't have time not, for a not, shower. Not, not, not take a trip down memory lane No, here. you don't have time for a shower then. A shower is a time to collect your thoughts. The to E-Zone. Like, to just to get in the E-Zone. We yeah, done. I mean, I, I block out, you know, just a, just a small two and a half hours a night. <laughs> just a I bring I bring my, my journal, my, a, a.k.a. Uh, yeah. box of bars of soap. <laughs> Three different <laughs> kinds of soap that I use for different regions. I'm gonna make a little like uh, what do they call this? Time capsules. I'm gonna make a little time capsule and t- and empty out that last bar of soap, mm-hmm. fill it with little notes and knickknacks, yeah, and and reveal and find it one day. It'll be years from now. Yeah. What is it? Like one bar every couple months, a month? Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Well, yeah. You look back and you're like, wow, look, man, look at this. It, you know, the, the year, the year right now. Look at Adam's hairline. Look at Adam Smith's hairline back then. It, it, it's it's 2019. I'm in space. Back and you're like, wow, I'm in space. 2015. Let's see what I was thinking when I used this. Wow, this bar. So sweaty. Oh, well, that explains why I took a shower. <laughs> yeah. oh, I get it. I just played racquetball. Very interesting. Game. Yeah, interesting. I do live in Florida. Okay, so anyway, Clayton, what to say is he took the bar of, the bar of soap from one of his roommate's uh, uh, shower and proceeded to meticulously cover it and seal it with a coat of clear fingernail polish. The result look and felt look felt and smelled. I guess uh, he had to poke little holes in it uh, to let some of the he said air got trapped in there. But anyway, he coated it in clear nail polish, uh, so it looked ex- looked and felt just like a real bar of soap. Uh, so his roommate goes to the shower and can't figure out why the bar of soap won't lather up when it had worked just fine before. Again, that's a lot of time commitment for yeah. pretty little payoff, and it's not like you're peeking into the shower. Yeah, you're not in there. See the payoff, and he's not going to be yelling like "What happened?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you have no right. payoff of you know experiencing the the joy of what you've created. Do we have again? One? It's psychological. We have time for one more. Yeah. Yes, Thomas uh, said that uh, in his sophomore year of college, he said I got into a box with the intention of scaring whoever opened it. My friend left the box in someone's door, knocked, and then left. Well, let's paint this picture. Okay. 
so a there's stranger's a, door. So there's a, Thomas so is th- in a box. A fair, I mean, not refrigerator size, but we're assuming a... Thomas seems like a regular size fella. As, as high as a doorknob, a uh, guy can fit in it, but he's yeah. crouched down pretty small. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Crouched down pretty small. An Tom- Ottoman-sized box. Right, right. And he has been left in the front of the door okay. by his buddy. By an accomplice. Right, right, right. Ha, ha, ha. Knock the door, leave. So, guy who lives in the store opens up, uh, sees... Is this a complete stranger, this home? I believe it's somewhere in some sort of dormitory kind of situation. Okay, ah, okay. it's a dorm. So, yeah, yeah. Tom, they're not worried that Thomas is going to get murdered. It's going to just be, you know, a nice, <laughs> just a nice dorm prank. So the guy brought the box into his room, um, and so then the friend walks in uh, behind him to see what happens to the box, and the guy in the dorm room apparently pulls out a knife and just stabs into the box super hard, not thinking that in a million years there's a person in it. Well, but, but, but why would... But why Anybody is the impulse to stab, to stab it with a knife? Out of box. What if, it, what I, I if it's a just, nice ottoman? I think to open it. I think to open the box. Okay. Now, granted, I, I get it. Uh, you can't be aggressive with a box because you never know what's going to be in there. You don't know how they've packed it. But this was the days before Amazon Prime when you just didn't have the box opening savvy that you have now. Yeah. Right. So this guy... Sta- yeah, when, when it used to be common practice to receive a package and just, and just begin to wildly stab it with your yeah. own sharpest, longest knife. <laughs> I remember. Take a machete, chop Thank it. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. We've come so far. Everybody's cleaning with bars of soaps. We're stabbing our boxes. You know, back then. It was a different time. Yeah. So Thomas uh, is in the box, of course, and almost died because he almost got stabbed by this guy stab opening uh, a box. But he didn't get hit? He didn't get hit? He did not. He did not uh, get hit, but he said it could have gone very, very wrong. Terribly wrong. He actually, what was great is that he tweeted a picture of it, and you just kind of see little sophomore Thomas in there, like... They liked the prank, but everybody there is really aware that Thomas almost was just a tragedy. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's almost so, stabbed to death. Glad you're with us, Tomas. His uh, what's his full, his full name? I assume is Tom, Thomas Thomas Box Squatter. Yeah, Thomas. About these the box squatting people again. It was that prank was his destiny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, my father and his father and his father before him all squatted in boxes. So I guess it's I hard have to know to. how they made a living from this. But <laughs> evidently, the medieval system paid good money for this. It prank. was a barter system, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Lehman. Oh, that that clears it. Up. It was a different day. They were using bars of soaps and they bartered a lot. All right. Well, that'll do it for last week's feedback. If you want to chime in, you can check out last week's podcast episode page. Uh, okay, it's time for this week's editorial. Question of the week. Hey. Okay, well, last week we talked about the snake thing, and this week, uh, un- unprovoked, you guys like told us terrifying <laughs> whole related reptile experiences. Right. Reptiles being in places they shouldn't have been, right? And things happening. Uh, it got us thinking. There's a wider net here. More of us have had traumatic animal encounters than just you know bats in a hole that you wanted to sit on. Right. Um, so we want to know your most terrifying or disturbing animal-related incident. Did a squirrel run up your pant leg? Yep. All the way to my neighbor's wiener dog skinned my rabbit alive, which is what happened to me when I was eight. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, like, probably the most spe- traumatic childhood story. <laughs> what a specific told. example! <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I don't know because it didn't happen to me. I just encountered it. I don't know. I think if a squirrel went up my breakaway pant leg, that would be that, most, that would be that would be the, it. The, the, the yeah, ensuing it. panic. I would never go in the woods again. I would never go in the woods again. Period. That's it. That's it. You've done, you've done your time. I would move to Central New York City. Right. A high rise. Yeah. You can't. Possibly. Nowhere near Central Park, though. I mean, oh. I'd be in downtown. No, 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 no. Yeah. Some sort of industrial. Industrial jungle. Yeah. 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 Meatpacking district, and I never leave. 
<laughs> yeah. Right. Um, anyway, yeah, we want to know your most terrifying animal encounter. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and you can post your replies on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. We'll, uh, we'll tell our favorites next week. I, these are going to be oh, yeah. memorable. Yeah, because yeah, animals are the worst. Yeah. I think generally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, like you said, there's a reason we separate ourselves from nature. Yeah, it's evil wants to kill us all the time. Thank you. Hey, and for people who have made it this long in the show, uh, last week, you know, we we were choosing challenges that for Jesse to undertake, psychological challenges, endurance challenges, uh, so to raise money for charity that you guys would, would be part of. Yeah. We have not forgotten. No. And on next week's show, we will announce or refine or whatever it is, the challenge. And Jesse yeah. will embark on it. Yeah. yeah. I, get your wallets ready. Yeah. I I think we're going to raise tens of dollars. Yeah, get uh, your no way. No ready. way. I, if I'm doing this. I think we'll break $1,000. No, I do too. I'm, I think, I'm, I think I'm we'll break $1,000. a way to incentivize it. Where, where if we hit a milestone halfway through, something will happen. You'll, the details will be released next week. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, you're, you're deep, deep, deep in it. you got yeah. a lot of working out to do. you got experiments all over the place and charts and like pins and different things. you got it. You're going to figure it out. All right. Well, many thanks uh, to Michael K. Williams for talking to us. Uh, make sure to read the full feature uh, in the current issue of Relevant Magazine. It's available in newsstands nationwide. You can also get the new issue on the App Store and Google Play stores. Uh, and you can subscribe right now at relevantmagazine.com. You get access to the digital editions, the print magazine, um, and a whole lot more for only 15 bucks. We'd appreciate the support. It's a, it's a really good issue. I think you'll like it. Also, thanks to our sponsors, NatureBox uh, and Stamps.com. Make sure to use promo code RELEVANT to get uh, some great deals at both of those places. On that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffel. I'm Chad Michael Snavely. I'm Jesse Carey. For Adam Smith and Lauren Harville. We'll see you next week. Lauren, you're my best friend. I want to know if you heard me say that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and get bonus material from this episode at the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check out the magazine. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes app store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. You failed miserably. You're never going to get an opportunity to be on the podcast again. Now leave.